Right now, we're going to play a uh, episode that we recorded live in uh, San Diego. San Diego. San Diego. Yes. San Diego. Yes. Yeah. What? Diego. All right. Let's just get to the thing that's good, not this. <laughs> You're listening to the dollop. I just. Pretty good. I just realized why. I just realized why I usually have a table to put a beer on. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's fine. I don't need it. Yeah. So you have to hold my beer. What am I? How the fuck am I going to do that? We're in the intro. Oh. Uh, <laughs> this is an American history podcast. Each week, I. It's only at the live ones now that he does this dumb shit. Flip-flop owner. Mm-hmm. Man who can wink. <laughs> Labradoodle daddy. <laughs> Dave Anthony reads a story from American history to his friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Yeah. Do you not have a table in one of your pockets? Oh. Yeah, take out your folding lawn furniture. Yeah, there you go. What? This is... What is your plan here? You're going to Napoleon Dynamite this beer? (laughs) That is... I... I have never been prouder of you and for you. Wow. Just somehow found pants that have, like, poker coasters in them. It's good beer. Thorn. (laughs) May 30th, 1920. Reginald Thomas Kirkwood was born in Melbourne, Australia. Okay. Was the... Somebody... Did somebody just boo? The... Kick him out. <laughs> let's Jeez. everybody... Let's, let's all calm down for a second. Hot room in San Diego. Booing Melbourne. Kick him out. Kick those fucking Australians out. <laughs> He was the second of two sons. His father was a very, very good Australian professional golfer. Okay. He moved to the U.S., and his sons came with him. Sure, yeah, to be expected. Yep. One would hope. Sometimes they stay behind. Sure, sometimes. I mean, it, that also know, makes a good story many, for us. How many? Yeah, that's almost <laughs> all stories. Many, many, many. <laughs> At age three, he left. His son was in a tree. He left his son in a bird's nest. The next year, his son became a colonel in the Army. <laughs> At age eight. Uh, so they ended up living in Florida. Sad, yeah. sad ending. Sad. Uh, uh, that's right. Uh, that's, that's not right. right. That's right. <laughs> Reginald went to a military academy in Georgia, and he excelled in sports, including boxing and golf. Sure, okay. The classic combo. Yeah. Yep. 
He won some golf tournaments, and then he decided to call himself Joe Kirkwood Jr. in honor of his, honor of his famous father. Okay, also, it's so going to open doors. Right, exactly. Doors. Right, yeah. 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 Like Colin Hanks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's not, uh, his dad's name is not Colin. Oh, and he had changed his name as well because he was really, he's not even related to Tom Hanks. That's a move you got to make. <laughs> Just be like, I'm Gareth Roberts. Julia's my, congratulations. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Joe was also super good looking. Okay. So. I like, <laughs> I right. like how you could just hear that he was and be like, woo, yeah. stud. Yeah. I'm going to take off my top. <laughs> Joe Jr. joined the Army in 1943 to fight in the war, but he was medically discharged after eight months due to asthma and high blood pressure. Okay. I would imagine, yeah, so going into war will raise your blood pressure. Yeah. So that would be... Well, it's not great for a 23-year-old to have high blood pressure. No, no, not ideal. He joined the Royal, he joined the Royal Canadian Air Force, but was released again for the same reason. Okay. Okay, so, so he's like, I'll go up there and do this. Yeah, and, like, and they were no, like, no, still... you have Canadian asthma, too. It's the same <laughs> asthma. We don't... It's the same. Yeah. It's the exact same. You same. do this, this inhaler? Yeah, well, you have it. You have it here. So he kept golfing. Uh, he was, uh, you know, he turned pro. He was golfing in a tournament in Los Angeles when he was noticed by a director. Oh, wow. So That's he's that good looking. He's that good looking. Wow. Yeah. Just how we got started. That's it, yeah. yeah. I was in CVS, and this guy's like, you want to be famous? I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I took him in the back, and there was a process. Yeah, I was like, uh-huh, this is how I get my star? He's like, uh, sort of. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, this is not me. He's talking about another guy. Yeah, He's yeah. He's talking about a CVS manager that fucks guys. Says it'll open doors. Yeah, and tells them I'll be famous, but then... Well, and you just work at CVS for two years like I did. <laughs> Fine place. Yeah, it's great good. place. I don't mind. I didn't hate it. Uh, cool guy. Yeah. So he was given a, a screen test and then signed by Warner Brothers. Wow. Good Lord. Uh, he, he played a few small parts, uh, nothing big, and then he was released from his contract. Okay. But then a nationwide search began. This is already great. To find someone to play... Comic strip boxer Joe Palooka. <laughs> Joe Palooka is a very famous comic strip strip at the time. He was a boxer. Sure. And they're like, let's let's put Joe Palooka on the big screen. It's funny because I'm always like, man, they ma- they used to make such great movies, and now we just make shit. But then they were like, no, oh, this could be a movie. <laughs> this could be a movie. It's got three squares. Yeah. This is quite an arc. I've been with this guy since Paper One. He is quite a story. Paper One. Paper One. That's right. There'll be no more questions. That's the end of any retort about what has just been said. But paper one. I'm done talking to you. <laughs> Joe, Kirk- Joe Kirkman was the perfect guy to play Joe Palooka. He got cast. He starred in 11 Joe Palooka movies. What? Joe Palooka movies? You guys don't remember... Well, are the you greatest serious? fucking series you, of all time. Do you, you don't remember Joe Palooka movies? I remember them. All I right. grew up on them. <laughs> Joe Palooka basically raised me. My dad put me in a nest when I was four. I wanted to be Palooka. <laughs> I was Palooka. I never stopped wanting I've to be Palooka. I've been with him since paper one. 
11 films between 1946 and 1951. So he's just, he's only Joe Palooka. Yeah. He's just living as Palooka. Okay. Surely those scripts were right on time, real good. Oh, buddy. Uh, for those of you listening, I can't do it Dave's having trouble getting his beer back in his pants. Well, so that'll honor. end the question portion of that. This is in honor of this is in honor of my father. Yeah. He's still with you in your cargo pants. <laughs> uh. Joe did his own boxing stunts in the movie and was knocked out twice during filming. Well, who stunts? That's just boxing. That's not a stunt. That is boxing. Well, if you're getting knocked out twice, it's not choreographed. You're like, yeah. All right, you guys box. Action. <laughs> uh, between films, he would go golf on the PGA circuit. So the six days he had off. Golfing. He'd go golfing in between yeah. making the 11 movies in like seven years. <laughs> It was, it was only five. Oh, well. Eleven movies in five years. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> what, and, he, and, the, uh, and in the time he's not in the movies, he's golfing. Yeah. Okay. In 1948, he and his father were the first father and son to make the cut at the U.S. Open and uh, the third to each win events on a PGA Tour together at okay. the same, same year. All right. Joe Jr. Uh, became a U.S. citizen in 1950. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's. There we go. There's that uh, American immigration enthusiasm we've all been hearing about so much. Yay! <laughs> Thanks for coming and taking our golf and movie jobs. <laughs> that year, rumors were floating around Hollywood oh, that no. Kirkman had had an affair with Shirley Temple. She's much older now. Yeah, I, that, that name, She's I waited. Much... I waited, and you guys didn't wait, and I waited. Because the name really does throw you. You are, we're all picturing the same person who should not be dated. She's that an person adult. should not be dated. She's an adult. That she should not be dated. But what we're forgetting is she was not that forever. She did change. She became grown. It's like watching Man Jenga. I did it. I did it. Daddy, be so proud of me. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and, the, and, and they, they're saying that he is the reason her marriage ended, right? Oh, sure. yeah, we didn't know that either. Uh, no. Yeah. Now, Kirkman had gotten married. Uh, that, that little girl grew up and was just married and cheating, and it's hard to see. Yeah. Oh, I knew it when she was a kid. I was David. Like, she's... Oh, that girl's going to cheat on her husband. That one's going to be naughty. Look at that. That's why I'm legally not allowed to watch Shirley Temple movies. A a one-man record is what they say. (laughs) One man holds that. Uh, So Joe Joe was already married. He met and married a woman. um, And he found out that the guy spreading rumors in Hollywood Mm -hmm. was this singer... Uh, that everybody knew, uh, and was the best friend at his wedding, the best man at his wedding. Uh, it should be called the best friend. <laughs> it really should be. And who's your best friend? Uh, Jacob. 
So the two men ran into each other at the Riviera Country Club uh, on the 10th tee. Okay. And Kirkwood said, quote, I'll give you the first punch, but you better knock me out because if you don't, well, it's going to be bad. He's like, let's shoot a stunt scene. (laughs) Really fight is what I'm saying. Let's fight each other. Then they exchange words. Quote, finally I hit him. I grabbed him and kept him from falling. Wow. What a, yeah, what a right? one, two. Who is, who fucking who can hits shift the... that fast? Like, who can punch a guy and then grab him before Are you all right? Are you all right? Are you all right? <laughs> who did this to you? Who did this to you? We will find him. Uh, Imagine seeing that. What are you? That's amazing. Yeah. That should be like an Olympic sport. Yeah. Two hits, me hitting you and you hitting my arms in a cuddling fashion. <laughs> uh, a, a Joe, so the movies ended and then a Joe Palooka TV show was made. Sure, yeah. Well, uh, not, our appetites weren't quenched by the 11 movies no. in five years. People, we were all saying, how do we get more Palooka in our lives? That's right. Yeah. Can you get enough Palooka? And the answer is no. No. It is a bottomless pit. Uh, he and his wife divorced in 1955. She said she had been abandoned because he loved golf more than her. It's not the first case of that. No, yeah. or the last. Well. As his Hollywood queer wound down, queer, yeah, as his Hollywood career wound down. Animated? Are you Shirley Templing right now? Uh, His Kawil. Boy, mister, I don't understand the business. It's a Kawil. Wheelie? For me? It's you. I get it. I got that. Yeah. (laughs) Nice one. Two hits. Me hitting you and then a cuddle. Uh, So... His career starts to wipe down after the Palooka stuff ends. Everyone's really? Like, I Did would pe- cast you, but you've just been in 34 Palooka movies. Everyone just sees you as Palooka. Well, I would love the opportunity to, to do and play a Palooka in another thing. I can be him in other stuff. Whatever you have, creative-wise, I'm sure Palooka can fit into that. He shifts to jobs, maybe. Now, what, what movies or shows are coming up that you have? What well, is... we got Abbott and Costello go, that's up against, go up against Palooka. That's perfect. That's but perfect. I don't think that's the right Palooka. Yeah, it's, I don't uh, think that, that doesn't seem like it's me. Um, Palooka and the Bear. No. Little Palooka, Big Palooka. Big Palooka sounds crazy. Larry Palooka. That'd be fun to change. That'd be a fun change up. Shit, shithead Palooka. A lot of those are handwritten. Yeah, go fuck yourself, Palooka. That's not even on your list. I can see it over your shoulder, and that's not. These are. uh, Is this fucking Palooka going to get out of my office? That's a little specific to the moment, wouldn't you think? What kind of shitty actor just plays Palooka for 10 years? That one I'd love to get a chance at. If I could audition for that one, that sounds really like me. Hey, I'm going to go to the bathroom and take a Palooka. Maybe, I mean, if the money's right. And you only got knocked out twice. Yeah, I was shooting stunts. Yeah. You were what? Shooting stunts. (laughs) Kirkwood got into investing. 
Into investing, okay. Yeah. His Hollywood career's over. He sure. bought land, and he bought a bowling alley in Studio City. Sure, right. The regular moves. Uh, he remarried. He married Joyce Waltz in uh, 1962. And then at some point during his, his investment period, Joe heard about Cortez Bank. Is that real? No? Any surfers? Cortez Bank? Okay. Cortez Bank is a barely submerged island in the Pacific Ocean, 111 miles off San Diego. Wait, where is it? It's 111 miles west of San Diego. In the ocean. In the ocean. It's submerged. It's 35 miles long and 12 miles wide. <laughs> so. Wow, sir. Yeah, it is. Sir. The shallowest area... Sorry, you're, what is it called? It's called Cordova Bank. Cortez Bank. Cortez Bank, okay. Okay, we've got to stop saying names because someone's going to explode. The shallowest area called Bishop Rock is between three and six feet from the surface. Okay. So the bank creates some of the largest waves in the world and is well known by surfers. It was mapped by the U.S. Coast Survey in 1953, and ships need to avoid Bishop Rock, so it's marked by a warning buoy. Okay. There are a ton of abalone and fish. Like, it's just a huge place for sea life. Okay. Which makes it a favorite place for divers and capitalists. Like Joe Kirkwood Jr. Oh dear, so we're so Palooka, not our guy anymore. Palooka's going for money. Yeah, okay. Kirkwood teamed up with Richard Taggart and Bruce McMahon, two California abalone canners, and they came up with the idea, with an idea of what to do with Cortez Bank. Okay. Turn it into an island where they could harvest all the sea life and ship it off for eating to the masses. Okay. It's not <laughs> what I was hoping to hear. But they didn't just want to turn it into an island. They wanted to turn it into a new country. What the fuck? What, what is with... The, we have enough. There's no more. <laughs> so, okay. And it's how... Uh, how big? Yeah. Okay, so it's all underwater, but yeah. So this is there's a lot it's of flat, hurdles. It's kind of flat. It's part of the cat, it's part of the Catalina Isle chain. Yes, but it's underwater. Yep. Okay, so it's this 35 is, miles long and 12 miles wide. But underwater. Yes. That's what I'm struggling with right now. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's a holdup. It's a big problem for an island. <laughs> I'm thinking of islands in the traditional sense, that yeah, they're yeah. above yeah. the water. Yeah. Well, not all, and that's kind of mean for you to say. That's island shaming. Uh, not all islands are above water. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't know no better. <laughs> I'm sorry, islands. Um, so, am I missing something? <laughs> no, not at all. Okay, so not their plan is to turn it in... 
Turn it into an island. Is there anything I'm missing as far as that <laughs> part of it? Are they planning on putting more island atop it? Yeah. They're going to build an island atop it. Yeah. Okay. So is that what we do? I feel like we're not doing that. Well, how else would you make a new country? Well, I think that's fair pushback, but I'm not the one who's saying that's a good idea either. <laughs> they were going to call the new island... They're Le already naming it. Well, the country. They've got to name your new country. But They were going to call their new country Lemuria. Okay, this... After a hypothetical lost island in the Indian Ocean. In the 19th century, the existence of Lemuria was somewhat accepted as scientific theory that helped explain why lemurs existed in India. And oh, shut up. Wait, hey, man, that is like... That's like you had to come up with it, like, on the spot. Like, someone was like, why are there all these lemurs? You're like, you never heard of Lemuria? The island of them? Oh, you don't know the, the lore? Oh, yeah. They, it's all them. It was all lemurs. That's why they call it Lemuria. And they had a monarchy. And this is the last thing I'm going to say about it. They had a monarchy. And then I'm done talking about it. Uh, and it was, under, it was on the ocean floor. I should point that out. It was on the ocean floor. This is when they had gills, which they had, and now I'm officially putting a cork in this conversation. It's over. Lemuria helped explain why lemurs existed in India and Madagascar. Of course, but not, there was the split. But not of, in Africa. Right, yes, exactly, because they were able to go to the island of Madagascar because they had an underwater yes, train. That's right. And they could take it there. They took it to Madagascar, <laughs> and they could go there. Uh, obviously, that then led to the split of the Democratic Republic of Lemuria. Uh, and then the... Uh, Civil War. Civil War. Thank yeah. you. Yes, yes. Right. Which, as Axel Rose would say, not so civil. Yes. What's so civil about war anyway? Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it was basically like an island... Uh, Lemuria was like an island bridge that the lemurs could cross. Sure. Look, you try to explain lemurs. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm starting to miss the arc theory. That's where I'm at with... Uh... So in February, Kirkwood and a friend of his, Dick Hall, took a 20... Do we know Dick Hall or are we just laughing at a guy's name? I'm down to laugh at Dick Hall. It's not a great name. They took a 26-foot boat to scout... Cortez Bank. Uh-huh. And how big's the submarine? <laughs> they planned uh, to find the buoy marking Bishop Rock, and then they were going to spend the day snorkeling and exploring. Okay. Their new underwater paradise. Yes. Uh, neither really had any boating experience. That's good. That's good. No, I'm, I've got a good feeling. So they looked all day for the buoy, but uh, they could not find it. And at sunset, they decided to head back. Smartest decision on the day probably so far. But that's when the famous Santa Ana winds of Southern California kicked in. Oh, boy. In a very short time, the ocean went from completely calm to basically hell. <laughs> Both of the boat's engines died. Good. 
The two men held on as waves slammed the boat. Holy shit. Is this not an omen to stay away from your underwater island? I don't think so. Okay. Kirkwood radioed the Coast Guard, who said they would be able to get there in six hours. Perfect. Uh, that works really good on our end. Anything, anything less would be great, but I think six hours is right in the window yeah, we're looking fine. at. Is there any bad news? Yeah, tell us... Uh... Uh, they told them to check in every 20 minutes. Perfect. Save. That'll really be worthwhile, it seems. Well, something to look forward to. Yes, yes. Uh, and then the ship began taking on water. That's not good, right? I don't no, know a lot. Ships are not supposed to take on water. Yeah. But it actually sounds like they're getting closer to the island. <laughs> When, when they called the Coast Guard and told them this, the Coast Guard decided to send a helicopter. We'll be there in five hours. <laughs> this guy doesn't know what he's doing. But that was going to take an hour. Okay. So during this time, they were thrown around the cabin by the waves. And at one point, Kirkwood looked up, and he saw Hall shoving food into his mouth. Interesting. A full stick of butter. What? Wait a minute. Is he pregnant? What's going on? My cravings. <laughs> this is what I do in waves. <laughs> you want some? A loaf of bread and anything else he could get his hands on. Now, is he mixing these food groups where he is individually, like, food eating competition, eating bread, and yes. then being like, let me butter it in my tummy. I'll it's, put it in that way. It's food eating competition style. Okay, so he's, he's not I'm doing... I'm training! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was looking for the life... Decided to eat everything. That went well. Yes, you should keep that on. Yeah. It's not me. Really? Well, my, it's you. Thank you, sir. Wait, is there a balcony or that guy just? That's fucking scary. There's a ghost. Uh, so Kirkwood was eating anything he could get his hands on. So he eats his I'm uh, Sorry, uh, Hall was eating anything he could get his hands on. Okay. And then Kirkwood asked, asked him how in the hell could he, he could eat now right. in this situation. And Hall said, quote, whoever eats the most will last longest in the water. This is who you want to be on a boat with, for sure. This is who you want to go into business with. Somebody who looks at it like that. Well, you idiot. You'll die before me. Cool. We've been out here for 25 minutes, dickhole. It's your problem. Now we're out of butter. Kirkwood said he could not argue with that reasoning. Of course not. I mean, it's a fucking good point. It's a yeah. good point. Yeah. You know, that's very Palooka of you. He would do that in a bind like this. Oh, my God. Remind me to pitch Palooka on the boat when we get back. <laughs> that's perfect. Kirkwood was shocked that his great physical condition meant fuck all when dealing with the sea. Quote, when slamming... So he was an actor. <laughs> Quote, the slamming and the thudding and heaving were never ending. We had quickly been exhausted. What in the hell was I doing out here anyway? Only an idiot would attempt such a preposterous scheme as building a new country. Great. This episode should be wrapping up right about now. But I knew that wasn't true. I didn't mean it. <laughs> building this country was exactly what I wanted to <laughs> no, do. No, no. What I had to do. No, no, no. Give no. me the butter! No, 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 no. Oh, no. 
Misrecognizing destiny has really been fruitful for this show. <laughs> this is your chance to tap out on a nightmare. I think I should double down on my country that's underwater and named for lemurs. After the terrifying hour, the helicopter finally arrived. The two men sobbed. Send up your butter first! (laughs) We're out of butter! I ate all of it! With what? Nothing! Just on its own! What? I was freaking out a bunch! I was Joe Palooka! He made 40 movies and two shows in eight months! Right on the road. A golf course. Yeah. We'll talk about a lot of this up there, hopefully. Rope Bring us. us up. Come on. Bring us up. I might be too heavy on account of all the bread. Take me off my country. Imagine when you get them up there. What are you boys doing out there? We have an underwater island country. <laughs> and all right, put them done. back in. All right. Thank you for the moment. Great to meet you guys. Oh, my God, I am so full. Uh, The two men sobbed when they were rescued. After, Kirkman realized it was going to take more than just a 26-foot boat. What a good lesson. (laughs) He literally is just jawsing it. (laughs) Going to need a bigger boat. No, don't (laughs) go there. No. Stay... On June 20th, 1965, four young men, all 19 and 20, went diving in Hell's Hole in Death Valley. Well, this probably ends great. (laughs) Hell's Hole is a deep fissure in the desert floor that's filled with very warm water. Very popular with divers, but no one has ever reached the bottom. Three of the men dove in, one stayed out. Two surfaced. One did not. Okay. Then the other two went back in after him, and one surfaced. Okay, so it's like obviously, a, it's like a Dr. Seuss not tr- not making light. This is where nobody else goes down. This is where you go. Well, they were great guys, but were you crazy? I, they didn't. They called the cops. Okay. Uh, for How two- much butter did they eat while waiting? Oh, so much butter. Give me that butter. For two days, divers searched the water, hoping they, the guys were in an air pocket. The search was very big news. Diver Jim Houts was a retired Navy man and a diving expert. He had already gained a bit of fame diving into Hell's Hole. Uh, a year earlier, he dove to a depth of 315 feet, an entire 100 feet deeper than Jacques Cousteau had ever gone, which was the world record uh-huh. for that. Correct. Suck it. Whoever said suck it, that is the correct... We've been waiting for someone to trample on the grave of Cousteau for a while, and it's it's nice that we found the one. Uh, Mr. Cousteau, I have a message here for you. Uh Uh-huh, yes. uh, Cousteau is my grandfather. I'm excited to hear this. Okay. It says, Uh uh, suck it. Ah. Who would say such a thing? Jim, Jim Houts. He says... 100 deeper, bitch. He reached the stomach. (laughs) Yes. Well, 
I think this is where I sink. No. You don't love wordplay? <laughs> no, no. Not that, no. It's not. It wasn't great. Maybe I'll think about it while I sink into it. <laughs> uh, come on. Pound no, it. You Give me a pound. It. Take it to Pound Town. Yes. Yes. <sighs> so Houts searched the labyrinth of passageways but did not find the men. He did find some gear at 325 feet. Well, that's probably not great. New record. Right, okay. Right? Right? Yeah, that's cool. You guys, they're probably dead, but guess what? New record! Woo! Yes. Uh, The families are here. (laughs) Hey, I wouldn't have done it without them. Your boys died... For something fucking We're not telling awesome. them they're dead yet. We're not saying that. They might not be dead. Words. Thank you. But their shit is down deep. Yeah, yeah. You know what well, I mean? That's not... Like, I wouldn't count on Can it. We like... Can we talk to you outside? Congratulations again. Can we talk to you outside? farther than ever. Yeah, that's You great. know who wasn't down there? Not Jacques sh- fucking Cousteau. Uh... I think you know what happened to me. <laughs> I think... <laughs> No, I got it. Yes, that's like... Uh, I'm not emerging. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because when I say TH, it sounds like thing. <sighs> my wife left me two months ago for my best friend. Punch him. You think about punching him with your little Frenchy wrist? I tried to punch him. Mm-hmm. What happened? Oh, snap. We fell into each other's arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the moment I knew why it would never work with Diane and myself. All right. Anywho, Zubi, I should uh, <laughs> probably skedaddle. Yep. This is getting real dark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. You should really go. All right. I live in the prison I've created. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Au revoir. <laughs> So the assumption was that the, the swimmers just kept going down and they couldn't figure out which way was up or down and they just kept going right. down, down, right. down. Right. Hoots estimated the depth of the, uh, and no one still knows, but he estimated it to be 900 feet of Whoa. Devil's Hole oh, from a rope he dropped down. So the bodies were never found. Another diver on the rescue was named Harry Wham. That is, that is the best diver I've heard of in this story so far. Oh, no, Wham's here. Wham! Get me in there. (laughs) Wham. Harry was a diver? You're damn right he was. And a Vegas nightclub singer. You're goddamn right he was. (laughs) You're goddamn right he was. Well, that meant he was in show business, and that meant Harry knew a guy named Joe Kirkwood Jr. Oh, no. Oh, no. Wham and Palooka? A month after the search, Houts got a call. Quote, hello, Mr. Houts. This is Joe Kirkwood Jr. Well, Houts knew Kirkwood. Joe Palooka was calling him on the phone. Oh, who wouldn't be all starstruck over the phone? A Palooka? Wow. 
you're the guy who made 150 movies in two weeks. <laughs> Knocked out 47 times. Wow. <laughs> I did all my own stunts, which were regular fights. Uh, so he asked Houts to come to his house, and Houts <laughs> drove, drove up to me. That's funny. Come on, keep going, yeah, but that's look. hilarious. The fuck's wrong with you? That's, all right. That's gold. Houts drove up to meet Kirkwood. Where? Uh, I don't know where he was living. At, at his house. Uh, Fell for it in twice. His, in his apartment. Oh. Uh, they started talking Cortez Bank. As a diver, Houts was very familiar with Cortez Bank. He told Kirkwood he had caught 35-pound lobsters there and many, many abalone. He said the sea life was so frenzied that the water above appeared to boil. Well, that's good for land. That's where you uh, definitely get land on there. You want to put land in it when it's yeah, boiling. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, it's like pasta. Yeah. <laughs> so Kirkwood told him about the plan to turn Cortez into a man-made island. Mm-hmm. And I, what did he say? Uh, he said, uh, that's fucking nuts. But Kirkwood went on, and he said he had financial backers, one who owned a rock quarry in Ensenada, and he was pretty far along in the planning stages. He had just signed an agreement with the Los Angeles Sanitation to barge 3,000 tons of garbage a day to use as landfill. Sorry. Which is how most islands are formed. Wait. That's how Hawaii happened. Well, we do have... We do in the ocean have a trash... I mean, we have multiple trash-sized islands, but we have one that is, like... Yeah, great. ...ready to go. Like, ready for pink berries and stuff. Yeah, no, Starbucks and other things that we can just take plastic and then throw it, and you throw it on your own island. Yeah. And then all you're doing is making a bigger island. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Fucking awesome. It's the dream. So, Kirkwood needed a partner who had a unique set of skills, like Houts had. Uh Uh-huh. Houts was an underwater demolition expert and a diver. So Houts listened and thought Kirkwood was, quote, nuts. But then he started to think it over. This is where I knew, I knew there was this butt where he was like, well, you know what, though? Isn't that crazy? This is how Firefest started. Well, said. <laughs> it's Firefest the island. Fire Island. There's already a Fire Island. Well, bad news, Fire Island. Well, he said, Hout said he did not believe in the in impossible. Well, and people soon, should believe in that, but keep going. <laughs> that is not, I understand we like no, dreamers. Seriously. Yeah, then jump out of a plane without a parachute. All See right. <laughs> Pretty soon he was on board. All he had to do was to convince his wife to, was to take out a second mortgage on the house. To build the, an island on bubbling seawater. That's right. It's only bubbling because there's critters down there. Once you <laughs> kill the critters, there's no bubbling. Oh, that'll be a good phase. He met the other guys involved, Tony Alman, who was the son of an ex-Mexican president, Robert Lynch, president of a savings and loan, and Bruce McMahon, the heir to a chain of furniture stores, owner of a bunch of abalone boats, as well as the rock quarry. So he's really got quite the capitalist crew coming with him. So here's the plan. (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) Dump enough rocks from the quarry on top of Bishop Rock and then sink a rock-filled barge on top of that. 
At that point, they could plant the flag of Lumeria, and it well, would become its own country. I'm sorry. I think I expected a lot more steps to the plan. I don't think I expected the third step to be, then we have the flag ceremony. Obviously, you know, that'll be day two, day three, max. Yeah. So, Once you plant their the plan f- is to just really mush it. Well, they're going to put stuff on top of it. And mush it. Well, not mush it, just build up. Right, but by kind of mushing the rocks onto the... Well, I guess mush, but... It's mushing. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that was a technical term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're an engineer? I work in mainly mush stuff, but I will say that I do have a doctorate in mushing. After they did that, they would make a circle using the boulders and then fill in the middle with garbage from Los Angeles. Sure. Okay, great. So great. So this is really great. This is great. This is really good. This is... So it's just going to build a big mound of shit in the ocean. That's right. Okay, so great. Yeah. Really good. Houts came up with something that seems simpler. Uh, Going home? (laughs) Pretending they never met. No? He said they should buy a big old ship and sink it on a level area of the sea island. What is the plan? And then immediately surround it with rocks. So it would sink a ship. This is how, like, a four-year-old would plan this. But if they sink the ship, the, the bank is so low that the ship is going to stick out of the water. I understand. And they put rocks around it. That's not an island. That's not a country. You've that's not built island. a country. That's a country. You've crashed a that's boat a and put rocks around it. It's a country. Where's the flag? And you pack it in and then you put a flag up. Uh-huh. And then you have an island and you can uh-huh. call it whatever you want. Well, like, Lumeria is what we'll call it. Well, when you bring in the lemurs. Yeah. Cool. So... So is anybody and saying then, this? But here's the other thing. And then as soon as that ship was settled, then they would immediately have a place for their seafood factory. Win-win. We can start cranking out fish and lobsters and abalone and stuff. Did they, is there nobody in the group of them who's like, hey, guys, what? <laughs> what, what are we talking about? Nope. That's crazy. You know what's cool? There's not. No, there's not. No. No, they're just like an improv team. Yes, anding each other. Yes, yes. And then we'll plant the flag. Yes. And then the rocks. Yes, yes, yes. This is good. They figured with enough boulders and garbage from L.A. Yeah, and by the way, it doesn't matter what you're about to say. Anything can be done with enough boulders and garbage from L.A. <laughs> They could create a seven-mile-long, three-mile-wide island with a resort. <laughs> I don't see it. I'm not going to lie. I'm you don't not, see it? No, I'm not seeing it. It's not looking like a sandals in my head. It's just looking like... Well, no, you walk out and you step on needles. Uh-huh. And just old Doritos bags. And then you jump in the sea. Uh-huh. That's great. Now I'm seeing it. And I don't... <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... Hout started going out to the bank to do recon. He saw the water many different ways. It was calm as a pool on some days, crazy waves the next, everything in between. But none of the waves was so massive that he would consider walking away from the project. No. He found a nice ledge, quote, we had a flat bottom, a beautiful bottom. Settle down over there, House. Such a great bottom. The hottest bottom I've ever seen. <laughs> The flattest, best bottom. The greatest bottom. 
Uh, and it was sandy. We dig up these oh, clams. I love a sandy bottom. <laughs> we dig up these clams, eight, nine inches, huge, absolutely enormous. Good God, did they make good chowder. So he's having a good time out there. Yeah, yeah okay. He's already opened the island. Uh, meanwhile, the investors found a ship. Okay, great. They found their ship to submerge, mostly? Yes. Now, they're looking for the right ship. Now, How does she crash? Does she crash real well? <laughs> ships were made... Uh, so these ships were made during the First World War when steel was scarce. Okay. They made these ships mostly out of concrete with a steel frame. Well, if you're going to get a ship to crash and make an island out of... <laughs> so this bad boy's just all made out of concrete, huh? <laughs> That's right. The SS Sinker. How does she float? She floats great. Oh, she floats barely. She barely floats. <laughs> she's mostly an underwater vessel. She's, she's made out of concrete. You so. know, it was that awkward six-month phase where we were making ships out of concrete, not really understanding what buoyancy was. <laughs> oh, what an evolution. Now we make them out of anchors. The ships were hard to turn and what slow. What about them was hard to turn? And it's heavy. Like, yeah. And fragile. Uh-huh, yeah. It's like a water Cadillac. <laughs> Jesus Christ. In 1921, cement ship collided with a steel ship and, quote, shattered as if a teacup had been hit. So there's an upside, at least. They are not, uh, they're not very buoyant, and yet they will explode upon impact. So that's good. It sank within three minutes. Oh, that's, that's fun. That's, well, I mean, imagine, like, this guy who's trying to unload these fucking concrete ships. Every time someone walks into his fucking concrete ship shop. Oh, here we are. Well, it's concrete, but, but don't go anywhere. And then there's finally one guy who's there like, really, concrete? Yeah, but they sink fast. Really? A million dollars sound good? But boy, mister. They ended up making, so that was in the First World War, and they ended up making 24 concrete ships during World War II because they were so desperate to have ships. <laughs> well, that's too desperate. That's when <laughs> you should see the concrete planes. <laughs> God rest those men's souls. We're coming, Hitler! <laughs> <laughs> Sir, we hit the barn again. I saw. I saw from here. I think the problem is we're using too little concrete. Too many propellers. Let's take it down to one. So these ships were 334 feet long and weighed 25,000 tons. Sounds, sounds countryable. One was named the Humphrey. Uh, it had been badly damaged in a storm and then sold to Mexico for scrap. But there, it was renamed the Jalisco, and in 1960, bought by a West Coast whaler. Okay. But the whaling business died off soon after, and now the Jalisco was for sale. Okay. So our investors bought it for $8,000. Right. It had a flat bottom and 27 feet of elevation from the waterline to the deck. So that's okay. perfect. That is perfect. Just what they're looking for. Yeah. It could sink and still have the deck above water. Just this plan. This plan. Great. This plan. It's a great fucking plan. (laughs) Oh, why don't you tell me how to make a country genius? 
I'm not vying for country making. Well, then don't criticize those that are. Okay. Pessimist. <sighs> there, the boat had a workroom with t- tools, so it's got everything. Uh, they got Sorry, t- all you've said is a workroom with tools. Yes. So it doesn't have everything. It sounds no. like you're like an $80 motel being like, we got everything. Uh, there's a barbell. We got it all. What do you need, huh? Do you have a TV without cable? Uh, sign this. Yeah, we got a barbell. We got a TV. It's one of the rooms. Come on. You're going to love it here. Cigarette burns on the sheets? Hey, come on, guy. What's your problem? You're welcome to my country. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Get inside. Um, so they got a discount for removing the engines and, turb- engines and turbines. Which, again, for the man selling that to them must have been like, sure, you don't need engines. No, you don't have to have them. That's not a must. I just, I don't know what you guys want it for, I guess, is where I'm at. I, uh... Just get a floater. Okay, sure. If you'd rather it go slowly, this is your vessel. This thing's great. It sucks. You're going to love it. The Jalisco would now have to be brought down by tugboat and then sunk. Uh, So Kirkwood handled the purchase. Houts told him the auxiliary engines had to be fueled, and both anchors and their 750 feet of chain had to be operational. No problem, said Kirkwood. Kirkwood also uh, said he would add more valves to help the ship sink quickly. Plan was to take the boat, uh, to take the boat rain, Rainbow's End and have it lay out a runway of buoys. So they're taking another boat. Okay. They take it to the bank. They're going to run out a, a runway of buoys and use those to direct the Hillis Okay. right in there. Now, before when you said that this uh, vessel shatters like a teacup, yes. is that maybe not the best thing to build a country upon? I'm just sort of reflecting upon an earlier statement. I don't know. Well, my guess is that that is not a great reply from you. Uh, <laughs> uh, so how... House would then House would, was going to use the anchors and the long chains to guide it into the exact spot okay. with the currents, uh-huh. and the boulders would be there waiting, and then the Hillisco would become a country. Right, right. Very magical process you've laid out there. Thank you. Right. Kirkman tried using official channels to get the blessings of the United States to create a small nation off San Diego. Sure. And so when the government reached out and said yes, what was the next move? When the government was like, for sure, but what is it? Oh, it's a concrete ship. Yeah, absolutely. What do you want to call it? That makes sense. Yes, let's do it. But every agency he called just seemed confused. I wonder what that was due to. No one returned his calls. But he's the president of Lumeria. No. Some, quote, some people began to kid me, calling me King Joseph or King Kirkwood. And how does he take that? Is he like, oh, they're Lo- being... Di- he, he loves loved it. it. Okay, great. Okay, so he's gone. Officially, Palooka's left the building, he's, and now... Kirkwood's in it. Okay. By November, newspapers had heard about the plan, and the papers didn't like the name Lumeria, so they started calling it Abalonia. Interesting. Abalonia. Yeah, right. Once it hit the papers, the city of San Diego, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, and U.S. Attorney Edward Miller, who was in San Diego, wanted to know what in the fuck was going on. Finally! I mean, for fuck's sake, how long have we been waiting for someone to be like, no, what are you doing? How old are you boys? Do you guys have families? What have you thought about getting married? You get some feminine energy in this group right now. That's what needs to happen over here. You guys cannot be left alone to this. <laughs> of course, yeah, it makes perfect sense. We'll call it Miria. I would like one, yeah. Keep it cool for you. 
so that it doesn't so it doesn't get hot. Um, so here are the things that the the, everyone, the government's worried about. They wondered if Kirkwood was. <laughs> this is going to be a long list, right? They wondered if Kirkwood was a communist. So our government's been really good for a long time. First thought, well, this obviously is the Russians. They're hacking Lemuria. Well, they've already got fucking Cuba down there. Now they don't need another communist country off San Diego. <laughs> uh, what if all the Los Angeles garbage got loose and started washing up on San Diego beaches? Fair. And hey, it's an export from us. Relax. It's our way of saying hello. And did the mafia want to use the island to build a casino? So, are, none of their questions are what the fuck is happening? No. Uh, I think well, my only worry is, are they opening a Russian casino? That's where I'm at. Is anyone else? We all are. Okay, good. Yeah, because that seems to be the front runner for issues here. Kirkwood told uh, reporters he had already refused an offer from the mob for a casino. So that wasn't an irrational fear? The mob was like, hey, uh, we understand you're building a trash casino. Um, have you thought about calling it Harris? Uh, what'd you say? Might be nice, might be nice. Hey, it's a lot easier for us to make dudes swim with the fishes when your casino is literally inches away from the fishes. Uh, yeah, no, actually, maritime law permits us from actually getting into trouble for this, so it's quite a loophole. This is my cousin, Joey Abalone. I think he'd be good. Hey, what's up? I can't breathe on land too long. See ya. <laughs> so, the mob... As horrible as the mob is, you've got to take your hat off to how awesome the oh. mob is. I mean, they're just always down. They're in it. They see someone building a trash island. They're like, how much can we make money off that? How, uh, how much money? Let's get a racket going. We want a slice of the trash. Hey, you know your trash island? We're going to run the parking meters. <laughs> uh... So all these places that Kirkwood had, was calling and the government are not getting back to him. Yeah, they're all like, did you get that prank call from that dude? He's only getting calls from, like, the attorney, and that he doesn't want. So he's becoming impatient, then he gets distraught, and then he gets fearful that the U.S. government is going to order a cease and desist before they could sink the Jalisco. <laughs> okay. So now we've got speed on a concrete boat? We have a ticking, we have a ticking clock. Okay. During the second week of November, he called Houts, and he said it was time to do this. He said the Jalisco and the boulders were ready to go. Now, Houts was still working on this second boat, the Rainbow's End. He had put, just put two new engines in it, and he said they needed at least 50 hours of breaking in before they could take the long journey out to Cortez Bank. Okay. Kirkwood was freaked about the silence from the U.S. and the press hounding them, and he said it had to happen now. Houts said he didn't think that was a good idea, but still he looked at the weather. There was a storm just coming off Japan many days out, and it looked like the storm would head north. It appeared Cortez Bank is going to have nice calm seas, so he reluctantly agreed to do it. Well, Dave, I have a really good feeling. 
calm waters, concrete ship about to be converted into an island of lemur people and a mob casino. Check the forecast. Let's just cross the T's and dot the I's on this bad boy. That's right. It's as good as done. It's as good as done. Let's go to shit island now. On Sunday, November 13th, 1966, they gathered at Balboa Bay Club. Kirkwood came dressed in pleated khaki pants, a nice cashmere sweater, and a pair of fur-lined after-ski boots to keep his feet warm. Wow. So just leader of the douches. Just ready to go be in charge of his own island. Ugh. Just Tom Brady'd out. Hey. We ready to make this island or what? Is that Palooka? <laughs> please, please. Uh, I sink on water just like the rest of you. <laughs> You'll see. Houts. Quote, everybody at the club was looking at the boots and looking at me and asking, who is this guy? The men gathered uh, were Houts Navigator, a couple of guys Kirkwood brought along that Houts had never met. Good. That's great. Don't need any more details on those two. Well, one was Native American William Many Horses Leslie, and the other was John O'Malley, just a fucking guy. <laughs> I don't have a catchy nickname. I don't even have a horse. I've got green clovers. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty great. Get it out before we go to Ireland, asshole. You are going to get stabbed when we go there. Bring your clover shit there. Say potatoes twice in one room there. They'll cut your Potato. neck. Potato! Yeah. They'll give you an Irish necktie. Yeah, that's where they cut your throat open and put a potato where your tongue was. So everybody got on the rainbow's end and they headed out. Kirkwood asked Houts to speed up. <laughs> Houts explained why he could not speed up. Uh, we bought a concrete ship with two motors, the one no, which is not working. They're not on that one. They're on oh, the other one. okay. They're on the other boat that's going to meet the... So... Houts explained why he couldn't. In an hour, one of the new untested engines gave out. Good. Houts had to restrain himself from yelling, I told you so, at Kirkwood. They continued on slowly with one engine. Houts started to wonder what the big hurry was. They reached Bishop Rock Monday morning. The weather was perfect. The ocean looked like a pond. And then the tugboat arrived with the Jalisco. Mm -hmm. As did McMahon on a boat named the Polaris. His boulders would be there Tuesday morning. Great. They're just it's being dropped off. Falling into place. Sure. They're coming Literally. on five barges. Yep. Great. Today was all about making the buoy runway. In San Diego, reporters were listening on a radio telephone with a private channel to McMahon. McMahon, quote, if all goes well, we should be starting operations in a couple of weeks. <laughs> They're like, what the hell's going on? That evening, U.S. Attorney Edwin Miller of San Diego had a conversation with the tug captain, Kirkwood, and McMahon. He, he calls them on the radio telephone thingy. He said they were on the U.S. continental shelf and were in violation of U.S. federal laws, and they had to cease all operations. Unfortunately, uh, Lemuria doesn't play by U.S. laws. We play by the law of lemurs. Why don't you talk to our lemur king? Yeah. 
Oh, he does not like what you're saying. He's a vengeful king. He's a vengeful king. <laughs> How'd the call go with him? Well, uh, not great. Uh, they have a lemur king? I didn't know. Oh, God, I know the one. Is there any precedent for dealing with lemur kings in judicial? Have you ever heard about the Madagascar lemur train? <laughs> I, no. Oh, well, it's cra- <laughs> look it up. It's nuts. I got to go. I have a 430, but it's crazy shit. You won't believe what you're reading. You have a 430 what? Huh? I'm catching a 430. I have a 430 to go to. Wait, what does that mean? 430, it's locked. Can't break it. I have to go. What I would love it? to stay in chat. I have a 430. What do you mean, what is it? It's what? a half hour earlier than having a five. It's a 4.30, and I have it. Okay. Yeah, and I have one. Yeah, I, unfortunately, after this last two minutes, I have a 4.32, if you'll excuse me. <laughs> oh, there he is. Hello, old friend. <laughs> so, Kirkwood told the tug captain to tell the U.S. attorney who the Abalonians were talking to in Washington about all this. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then, and it was just a basically a way to delay him. So they wait, they wait, and then after an hour, U.S. Attorney Miller called and demanded the Jalisco be towed to San Diego immediately. Okay. Kirkwood, quote, he then said we were in violation of U.S. laws because we were a hazard to shipping. He commenced reading the law to us, but his voice seemed to falter as he said the words, misdemeanor punished by a $50 fine. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. No. What? They're getting, like, a parking ticket for this? What? You may not build an island unless you have $50. Shit. Nobody thought this would fucking happen. Yes, we still should have made the fine more. Why? Oh, hey, you guys, we got to make a law about not building an island off it, the coast. It was a long night. We were trying to get out of the office. We didn't think this would ever happen. $50, let's go home. Come on, let's end this evening. Good Lord. <laughs> so Kirkwood did not think the U.S. had jurisdiction, and at the end of the day, the U.S. attorney had made a big mistake by saying it was a misdemeanor. $50 misdemeanor. Kirkwood figured he'd uh, pay the fine from his new nation island. Yeah. Uh, At least that's what Kirkwood said, but they told Houts nothing about the call because they knew he would bail. Right. And everything kept moving ahead. Okay, great. So, yeah. They better pay that fine in, like, some Lumerian currency. (laughs) Here's your Lumerics. It'll be 320 Lumerics. The Jalisco was moved into position on Tuesday morning. At 9.15 a.m., the ship was lined up with the buoy runway. Uh-huh. Houts grabbed his supplies, because once the Jalisco was sunk, he was going to immediately start living on it. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> what a weird... What do you tell people you're saying goodbye to on American hey, soils? Hey, guys, gather around. It turns out I'm crazier than the rest of you. I mean, I'm really out of my fucking mind. Well, unfortunately, I will be leaving America. I'm starting my own island on a boat. Take care, everyone. We'll have a casino. Maybe come by. When I come back, I'll have half human, half lemur children. Yes. Don't gawk at us. So, 
He grabs uh, his supplies. Mm-hmm. He grabbed his rifle in case he needed to defend his new country. In front of three people that he knew? He's like, okay. You don't know what's going to happen. It might been sure. Another fake island might attack. Sure, right. Yeah, well, they are mobile. He climbed aboard the Jalisco. With him were his navigator, Kirkwood, many horses, and John O'Malley. Many horses? Yeah, is the Native American guy we talked about. Oh, about. dude, I forgot his nickname. I was yeah. like, what the fuck are they doing up there? We're going to open a cowboy camp uh, right away. That's day one stuff for us. Get the horses on the boat! Many horses. The horses were like, well, this is obviously hell. Uh, this is a nightmare. You guys should have had land before you brought the us. We're horses. You, we're not going to do well here. Oh, they'll figure it out. So everyone's very excited. Sure. All chattery, very happy. Yeah, of course. This is huge. That's when Houts looked out and noticed there was a very long, low, soft swell approaching the boat. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yes, you are in the ocean. That is where you are. Quote, the distance from trough to crest was tremendous. Houts had not seen a swell like this in all the time he had spent at Cortez Bank. He discussed the swells with his navigator, and they decided that they were no big deal. Sure. Two to four feet at most wouldn't make a difference, just, just weird. Mm-hmm. Quote, it's been dead calm, so if we get a little wind and the normal seas, I mean, this is a freighter. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, Houts had given specific instructions to Kirkwood about the Jalisco. Yeah. He noticed there was only one anchor. Okay, and it was much smaller than what he'd seen the first time he had looked at the ship. He'd given instructions to Kirkman to keep the two large anchors with 750 feet of chain each on the ship. Mm-hmm. He asked Kirkman where the big anchors were. Kirkman took his time. That's not a good start. Uh, uh, and then he admitted he had sold them for salvage. The anchors? Yeah. On your island? Well, he's got the little anchor. So Houts is furious. <laughs> well, because now you're still on a ship. The anchors and long chains were a huge part of how he planned to get the Jalisco into place. <laughs> so then he tried starting the engine that powered the small anchor, but it wouldn't start. Good. He asked Kirkwood if he'd had it tested. Kirkwood, quote, Nobody ever showed me that it worked. You know, on Palooka, we never actually tested anything. Isn't that interesting? How we did it on Palooka? And then here we are, fucked. (laughs) What would Palooka do? Probably make another movie. So there's only one way left to lower the anchor, manually using a winch. Great. But then now once it was down, they could never move it up again. So it's a one-shot deal. So Houts told Kirkwood and his two guys and the horses to very slowly release the brake. Okay. Very slowly. Uh Uh-huh. But as soon as they started doing it, the chain made such a loud noise that they all got freaked out and they jumped back and the anchor just dropped to the ground. Great. Okay, great. So, so far, everything's gone wrong, right? Just to be clear... It dropped fast. It was so quick that Houts was confused because there was no way that was 750 feet of chain. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, there's something else I should tell you. 
I was on fire at the scrap place. So I just got 80 feet of chain. It's like a hook for the fish. Houts looked at this bullet chain. It was empty, and he asked Kirkwood where the rest was. You know what we would always do on Palooka? <laughs> We'd Hollywood it. Pretend like there was a lot. Act like there was a lot of chain. That's why we made over 800 movies in one day. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good ones, too. When he asked Kirkwood where the rest of the chain was, Kirkwood shrugged. Mm, what was you see? What'd you do? Mm, what's your deal? You do it? Mm. Turns out he had told the guys at the shipyard they would be in less than 50 feet of water and had the chain cut and sold for salvage. Great. That's great. All that salvage money's great. It's really, yeah, that's awesome. Now you can buy a home on your fake island. He neglected to tell Houts any of this. Mm-hmm. So Houts was livid, but he realized this wasn't the time to argue. No, this is the time to pretend like it's still okay, for sure. (laughs) They had less than 600 feet of chain than he had planned on, and one small anchor instead of two big ones. Obviously, it was a problem. Mm -hmm. He hoped the current would move the Jalisco into place. Sure. Houts thought the chain was so small, it might take the boat right into the place where the waves were crashing. Right where they didn't want to be. Okay. As the Jalisco drifted into the waves, it was still connected to the tugboat by the towing cable. Okay. And so how's this, the tugboat doing? Well, now the swells are building. Sure. So the tugboat's like, how's the country? We open? Are we a country? Can Did you see open? the lemurs? Hurry. Can you see the lemurs? It's a lot of horses. The guys on the Jalisco tried to release their end of the cable, but couldn't, and Kirkwood yelled to the tugboat captain to give them some slack. (laughs) At that point, a man came out of the tugboat cabin with a blowtorch. What is he doing? What's his plan? And started cutting the cable. What is he? No, no, no. no. Listen, not what we're saying. No, slack, slack. (laughs) The cable was worse... The cable was worth several thousand dollars. Oh, so this guy is... This is our hero. It was because the Jalisco was dragging the tugboat underwater. (laughs) At this point, Houts looked out and noticed a marine layer. He suddenly realized what the waves were. Oh, my God. Forerunners, the leading waves from a big storm. The wavelengths began to shorten quickly, and the swells grew rapidly. These were swells that had been moving since Hawaii and were now coming up on their first obstacles. Probably two anchor waves is what we call them in the biz, right? (laughs) Yeah. The Jalisco moved a couple hundred yards, then the anchor grabbed onto something in about 20 feet of water. The men were all thrown off their feet. A large swell pushed the ship onto Bishop's Rock, and the boat was now grinding against the land. The sound, Houts said, quote, it was just, just the most god-awful thing. <laughs> That's why it's not easy to make your own country. More people would be doing it if it was as simple as just going and sinking a ship. Well, someone's got to try. I'm glad someone finally did. I'm glad it was Palooka, too. How do you think we got America? Yeah, right. Very. Hmm? A new line of swells appeared off the bow. Good. 
A wave hit. They fell like an elevator cable had been snapped. The Jalisco came down and was impaled. Jesus Christ. Houts told everyone to get away from the anchor chain and run for the port side. (laughs) This is not a good opening. It's not good. (laughs) He was wearing a life jacket and would have jumped, but he officially was the captain and had to get everyone off first. Then the chain split and whipped around and hit the boat. Jesus Christ. The boat spun. Its stern, the back, was now facing the waves. It started to take on water. It Dave, was this going... is not going well, right? No. Okay. The boat's going down. Okay. As it did, the waves grew higher. Hout said, quote, this thing is done, guys. We got to get the hell off the boat. <laughs> to be fair, we got to get the hell out of the country. Hey, guys, the country's fucked. It's <laughs> fucked. It's like America. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, truly, uh, that's a little America for you right there. (laughs) Spinning out of control. Well, the thing that was holding us tethered to reality is now trying to impale us. So we should get the fuck out of here. I think that's the move. House told everyone to get into life vests because no one else had them on except for his navigator. Well, because they were like, we're on land. We're home, baby. Why would I put a life vest on in my own country? My own country? I'm going to get laughed at at the Pinkberry. Kirkwood, O'Malley, and many hands refused to put on vests. Cool. They had brain lock. They basically had shut down and were freaked out. Then a huge wave rose up, and Houts yelled, run. Good. Good leadership there. They did. The wave was about 35 feet high. Jesus Christ! Uh, It picked up all the shit that was on the boat. Concrete, hatch covers, wood, steel cables, 55-gallon drums of fuel. Everyone was overcome by the wave, except for Kirkwood, who leapt onto a mast and clutched it at the nose of the ship. Palooka's back, baby. They, like, looked at him like, aren't you going to run? And he was like, no. Someone call action. Uh, Kirk, what, what are you? No, don't do that. Action. <laughs> All the others were smashed and hammered. Houts had it, at Does least... it not feel like this is, like, a Moana moment where the ocean is like, get the fuck out of me. Leave me. Yeah, very no much. No to you. This is the old Mother Nature versus yeah, Man thing. Na- oh, do you want to build an island? <laughs> if possible, we want to make a bunch of money from killing stuff. <laughs> Bink. <laughs> Bink. <laughs> After the wave, Houts had at least one broken rib. Many horses was jammed ass first into a hole in the bow. We've all been there. <laughs> That's life in the casino. <laughs> stuck ass first. And many horses' asses stuck. Wait, what? Many horses' asses stuck. He was basically folded over, and his body was blocking the water because he was in the hole like a cork. <laughs> and then three more waves hit while he was yeah. in that position. And Buster Keaton from the shores was like, I've got an idea. Then there was a lull in waves, right? That set ended. 
And Houts and his navigator pulled many horses out of his hole. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't shit. That's the amazing thing. He was spitting out oily water as they got O'Malley into a life jacket. They thought O'Malley had internal injuries. The tugboat captain rammed the tugboat against the Jalisco so O'Malley could jump on. Two guys on the tugboat tried to grab O'Malley, but he was covered in oil and slippery. So then he went to jump. Oh, no, an oil jump? It's not parkour. Just as a wave hit. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oil and and water don't mix. And he, quote, stepped out into the air. Oh, no. (laughs) What? And fell down. He wily coyoted. He went down. The tugboat captain then went after O'Malley, who was being swept out. The navigator jumped and tried to swim for the rainbow's end. Kirkwood had many horses were clutching onto the mast. Houts told them to jump into the water. The sea had been calm for a couple of minutes, which was not good news. <laughs> okay. Kirkwood said, quote, this thing's not going anywhere. Oh, hold on, and the water will just rush by me. It's going to go by me. <laughs> so he's an optimist. Yep. Houts looked over, and the compressor was almost loose. It was spinning around. One more wave, and it would break loose and crush Kirkwood and many horses, which would be like getting hit by a forklift. Well, that doesn't sound appealing. Hout said, quote, guys, come on, the compressor's coming loose. That thing weighs eight tons. Kirkwood said he was not going anywhere. He was... Palooka's hanging in there. Yeah, he's a fucking Palooka. He was determined to stay. Quote, if for no other reason than that people are always being washed overboard in movies... (laughs) This guy, this is, what an actor. Uh, well, it's an actor, right? Nuh-uh, not in the movies. I've seen it. I'll be fine. They'll play heroic music. There'll be a swell. Yeah, in the movies, guys go over and that's it. Yeah, they'll Don't cut move. it out if I die, too. Houts then saw the water drawing down around the boat. He looked. Oh, shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It was a wave that was the largest wave he had ever seen in his life. <laughs> It was now high above the Jalisco. Uh-huh. Kirkwood, quote, it was an enormous wall of blue-green water rising 45 feet or more with fish in it that were plainly visible. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, shit. I told you there were a lot of fish here! <laughs> we're dying, you idiot. <laughs> oh, look, a grouper, you idiot. The wave crashed on the deck. Houts watched as Kirkwood was blown off the deck. Tugboat crew member, quote, I remember seeing him just flying through the air. I'll tell you what, the national anthem for this country is going to be fucking amazing. It's just going to be, and then another swell came, and many horses was dead. Ass first. (laughs) Kirkwood, suddenly I was just flying through the air with the mast still locked in my arms. That's not good for anybody. Houts would later estimate Kirkwood fell 40 or 50 feet before he hit the water. Jesus Christ. Watching all of this transpire was a boat of reporters who had just arrived. Yeah. 
Country of morons, drowns. Just out of arm's way, like, wow, that's terrible. <laughs> now let's bring on an expert who's against the country and someone else who's marginalized and believes Lemuria makes sense. So on the reporter's boat, two Catholic reporters hit their knees and started to pray. That's lovely. In the water, Kirkwood was hit on the head by something and went down. Houts had no idea what had happened to many horses. He looked around and couldn't see him. Oh, boy. The next wave was coming in 15 seconds. Houts took a look at it. It was at least 50 feet high. <laughs> Christ. It was so large, as it came down, it made a ceiling over the boat. It's kind of cool for a minute. You're like, Whoa. Holy This fuck. is the end. This is really something. This is how it ends. This is how I go. Mariners call this green water, which means it's solid water. There's no spray. There's no curl. It's just green and still. <laughs> it hit going 35 to 45 miles an hour. Somehow the Jalisco survived and houts. In the water, Kirkwood regained consciousness and swam up. But he had these big fur boots on. Ah. Oh. Dude. <laughs> yeah, you don't get How to How do polar bears do this? Yeah. Yeah. You don't get to try to, like, open a nation underwater, essentially, in Uggs. It's like sponges <laughs> for your feet. You're like, oh, they're really taking it on. I can't. <laughs> They were waterlogged and felt like lead on his feet. He tried to reach down and unzip them, but he couldn't... Ah, unzip them. Even that. <laughs> he couldn't without putting his head underwater. Quote, it flashed through my mind that I needed to lose a few pounds. Is this really the time to be thinking about nutritional goals? Oh, my God. I'm a little heavy. I am so carb-loaded right now. I am... That's it. I'm doing ketosis. I'm getting into it. Then another wave hit him. The tugboat had been trying to get close to him. Kirkwood was pushed under the tugboat. Under the tugboat. The entire 120 feet from bow to stern and just between or past the two propellers. Wow. He come Luca. <laughs> he came up off the stern and barely lifted his head. One of the tugboat crew ripped off his shirt to jump in the water, and another tugboat crew member said, Are you crazy? That's a $50 shirt. <laughs> buttons just ripped him off. So instead, they threw him a line, and he grabbed onto it, and two crewmen pulled him in, and then as another wave hit, they grabbed him. Kirkwood said, quote, Please help me, fellows. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, well, you need to say something. I, I can't help you. Yeah, we, no, we know. And they pulled him out. Houts made sure his life jacket was on tight, and then he held onto his gun and jumped in the water. What, sorry, what's his, what's, what is he I doing? don't fucking know. Why is he bringing the gun? He, just in case. I'm going to kill Palooka. <laughs> I'm killing Palooka today. I want those boots. They are gorgeous. I don't know. 
There's <laughs> literally nothing I could think of why he brought the gun. We're going to war, boys! Don't worry, gentlemen. I think we can shoot these ways away. I've been drinking a lot of the water, by the way. Everyone should drink it. It really gets the ideas generating. We can breathe underwater and we can shoot it with this gun, which now that I'm looking at it is a hot dog, which is troubling. We should eat a lot of butter right now. In the water, many horses suddenly appeared beside him. I'm dying. Hey, what's up? Help. They were pulled onto the tug. After a few more waves, they watched as the Jalisco was obliterated. What? You mean the teacup? Yeah, the... Couldn't handle the goes, ocean pounding against rock? There goes the island. Oh. <laughs> Say the dream ain't over, though. It's over. What? No, it's not. Oh, thank God. They were brought onto McMahon's ship. O'Malley had internal injuries. Everyone else was bruised and battered. The five barges of rocks had turned around just before they got there as word came of what was happening. <laughs> But the seas were so bad, one barge had sunk while returning. Then the FBI, yeah, New Island. Then the FBI came by helicopter. Hey, we told you, you fucking idiots! <laughs> they just drop a fifty-dollar ticket. Ah, well, that's just that's rude. Oh, we all get fined $50. That's not what the man said. It's not. The man didn't say that. He didn't say it. They asked Houts a few questions, but then they really interrogated Kirkwood, who kept and stuck to his story. He said they had been forced to scuttle the Jalisco after the U.S. attorney called because of waves that it started taking down the boat. So they lied. They so said they never... They like, said they were like, the attorney call, we, we started... We went on a concrete vacation. <laughs> um, but it was a lie, and it kept everyone out of jail. So... <laughs> yeah, Mally went to the hospital. Howard Scott bandaged for his uh, broken ribs. And after they were all home... Many horses get a new ass. Got a new asshole. Just an asshole. I didn't... Well, that's graphic. No. Yeah. It's not... I was trying to keep it light, and you went surgical. I know a doctor that's here right now. Oh, she's... She got up on... Okay. Gotcha. But you can replace an asshole, right? Mm-hmm. We do it every four to eight years. <laughs> After they were home, Kirkwood did not give up on his idea of good. Babylonia. Good. That's good palooka. He kept talking about it in the press. He said Abalonia would be willing to allow the U.S. to have a weather station and a ship refueling depot. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Right. An L.A. waste disposal official said it would be an inexpensive way of getting rid of trash. Quote, if those fellows can get the government off their backs and make the whole thing legal... That guy's just like, we got a lot of trash. We need to do something with it. And these assholes will live on it, so we should give it to them. It is garbage. Let them live on a bunch of Dr. Pepper cans. Kirkwood testified before a Coast Guard inquiry and said the sinking was an accident. Mm -hmm. And the Coast Guard accepted it. Wow. Like, with gritted teeth. They were like, well, it seems weird to take a World War I vessel out for a vacation. But pending further evidence, okay. 
Palooka. As for his plans, Kirkwood wrote that he was thinking more of making the island a monarchy, probably even a constitutional monarchy. There we go. Get specific before you've got anything out there. And then two other groups decided they would turn Cortez Bank into a nation. Oh, for God's sake. Investors in the nation of Toluga were represented by Seattle attorney Jack England. Quote, my clients have absolutely nothing to do with the Palooka Bunch. They were four major investors. The Palooka Bunch? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. They were four major investors and had $15 million ready to make the island nation of Toluca. They planned to build three cities, a resort, and a port. Why not baby step it? It seems like you're just like... Oh, go fucking hard or go home. I think go home, obviously, is the answer to that one. Good Lord, I've said it twice. The Toluca group said they had claimed the bank, quote, in 1959, my clients drove the first claim stake. When asked how they could put a claim stake in something underwater, he said, quote, well, it was a buoy marker placed on the spot. Okay. Uh, And then the other plan was Aqualandia. Aqualandia really rolls off the tongue nicely. Uh, This was going to be an underwater kingdom. Great. Okay, so this one we should take very seriously. Uh, This is for the guild citizenship. Greek-type buildings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, perfect, yeah. Mike... Austin of West Hollywood said his apartment was the embassy. Sure, great. No questions there. That's easy to see. Eventually, the U.S. officially stated the bank was on the outer continental shelf and therefore in U.S. territory. Nation building was forbidden. And the fine just got up to $75. (laughs) Jack. Over the years, the Jalisco broke into three dangerous pieces. Great. Good work. What a legacy. Today, it is a popular location for lobster and abalone divers, and then surfing. There's some fucking awesome surfing videos of guys going out there in helicopters and boats and shit. Um, Kirkwood went on to build a golf course on Kauai, which made him a fortune. He sold it in 1987 for $50 million. Jesus Christ. He died in 2006 in his home in Hesperia, California. Did he make up Hesperia? Who the fuck has $50 million and then dies in Hesperia? Like, I want to die around meth heads. (laughs) He died doing what he loved, being totally lost. (laughs) McMahon became a wealthy hedge fund manager whose lifestyle was the subject of tabloids. And Houts kept his diving business until he retired. He remained married and died of natural causes over a decade ago. He said they had reached Cortez Bank one day too soon. Oh, God. If they had arrived a day earlier, they would have easily been able to sink the Jalisco in the calm sea, and the bank would have become an island. This guy, right? I mean, good Lord. (laughs) They could. They really, if they had really gone in there a day earlier. Really? They could have done it all. You don't think it would have shattered? Well, it might have been broken up by later waves, but they could have secured it and then seen what would have happened. You're, you have the talk of a guy who's looking to get out there. <laughs> Plant his flag at something. Look, I need any way I can to get out of America, so <laughs> if it's building an island, I just don't want to get shot by Nazis. I guess that's why it's better for land to be formed out of volcanic mass. Yeah, it seems like it, like there's already an, a way to make islands. Yeah, and it's like not through um, 
trash. <laughs> <laughs> Not through garbage. Yeah. But garbage islands, I mean, you can pick through them and find stuff. No, for sure. There's that it's aspect It's like a treasure hunt. No, for sure. It's a trasher hunt. It's yeah. awesome. You get to go out and look for dumb shit. It's fun. Yeah. And then, you know, animals die in it. Oh, great. That's great. So what that's an uplifting cool. end. Anyway. <laughs> um, I guess the message of tonight is love the dreamers in your life. <laughs> Embrace them. That's right. Don't be one of those... Don't be one of these people who when a dreamer comes to you with a moon shoot of an idea, sits there and says, I don't know, don't we have enough countries? I don't know. You probably can't live on a ship forever just because there's some boulders around it. Well, you say this, but all the Silicon Valley millionaires want to build an island out in the middle of the fucking Pacific and live on it. Well, they will do that. But they'll they'll do do it with like, they'll... I just want. They'll have I, more than one baby anchor. I mean, just let it happen so I can sink it before I die. <laughs> you, you swimming out there with a knife in your mouth, <laughs> <laughs> sir. We have something that we can't fully identify, but he's moving pretty quickly. Shoot him, sir. He's off our radars. <laughs> what? It just got a message on the screen, sir. What does it say? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Thank you so much for coming out, guys. We appreciate it, truly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This episode was based on a book by Chris Dixon called Ghost Wave, The Discovery of Cortez Bank and the Biggest Wave on Earth. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, This is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.